First John in chapter number three, we'd like to read in unison the last two verses of the scripture. That's verses 23 and 24. Again, that's First John chapter three, verses 23 and 24. And if you're able to stand and once again respect to the reading of the word of God, I invite you to stand. First John three, verses 23 and 24 in reading in unison. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, I pray that you might work in hearts and lives of, first of all, every Christian within the sound of this voice. Speak to hearts, we pray. Lord, if there be those within the, our children's community or our little children's community or the adults, Lord, that know not Christ as Savior, may no one leave today without sins forgiven in a home in heaven. Pray that now you might work and bless in the preaching of thy word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 1 John chapter 3, it's our seventh and final message in this series of messages we've been preaching on these things I know from John chapter 3, or 1 John chapter 3. We started off, of course, in verse number 1, and we looked at the truth that I know a little bit, the key being a little bit about the love of God. We looked at verses 1 and 2, and we said that I know that I'm more than a child of God. I'm a son of God. Join heir with Jesus Christ. We looked at verses 3 through 10, of course, and we deal, dealt with the subject of that we're all, we know we're all experts at sinning. We know how to sin, but we know how to be sinless in Christ Jesus, of course. Then we looked at uh, verses 10 through 13, of course, a few weeks ago. And I know the world, or the love, rather, the world loves. And the Bible says in verse 13, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Why would they hate us? Well, we shouldn't marvel at that because they hated Christ before they hated us. And uh, they are blind to the love of God, of course. We preached a message from verses 14 to 19. We just simply entitled, I know that I'm saved. And then last week we preached, of course, last week's message from verses 19 through 22. We saw the key word, of course, is the word heart. And I know God is greater than my heart. If your heart or my heart condemn me, God is greater than our heart. Thank the Lord for that. We draw our attention to the last two verses, really the last three verses of, verse, of chapter 3. And we have a key word that's found four times. We see it first in verse number 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his, what's the next word, help me class, commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Verse 23, and this is his, help me, commandments. That was weak, but let's try it again. Ready? And this is his, very good, thank you very much, that we should believe on the name of the, his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Thank you. And he that keepeth his, what? Commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. I want to deal with the subject of commandments this morning. 
And the whole series of our titles for our message of, uh, of this book, of course, has been These Things I Know. I've said it many times, there's a lot of things I don't know. There are a few things I do know. There are a lot of things in this world I don't know. A lot of things I don't know about the Bible. But I, I don't know all the commandments. But I do know the three laws or commandments or precepts or ordinances, or we know them as commandments that give life, love, and liberty. And those are three commandments that you should know. In our text of Scripture before us, we see that these three commandments are given, this commandment of life, this commandment of love, this commandment of liberty, and all three of them last forever. And so we have these wonderful commandments given to us. We could spend the whole balance of the message, but in way of introduction, you see our first question, commandments, how many? It's interesting, and the word commandment is found, by the way, the actual word commandment, thank you, online Bible, is found 167 times in our Bible, the word commandment. Now, that's not all the times that we find the word statutes or ordinances or laws or command, uh, other words that are synonymous with the word commandment in the singular. Just so happens in the book of 1 John that this word commandment is found exactly seven times, obviously three of the four times in these, this passage before us. The word commandments is found 168 times, one more time than the, in the singular, and again, in 1 John, it's found exactly seven times. Now, I don't want to read much into this, but my kids, uh, for the record, uh, they, one of my kids uh, ordered us for Christmas, 23andMe, you know about that? Where you find out, you know, your DNA. You know, 23 chromosomes, uh, you, know, I, I didn't, you know, I almost failed biology, so let me just, you, you might be able to help me, but 23 chromosomes, I think, from mama, 23 chromosomes from papa, is that how it works? I think so. Just to shake your head and pretend like you know, if you don't, I'm teasing. So we did the, you know, we did the test, you know, and they sent it off in the mail. We sent it off in the mail and got back, and I won't find you, I won't, I won't explain to you all the, the uh, but, you know, they, they, they determine our ancestry, ancestry.com, and make it, make it real short, I'm a mud is what I really am. And probably most of you are muds in this room, pardon the language, and but the fact of the matter is, there's exact chromosomes, there's exact number. And God is the designer of all that. We can find out, no longer we think about being at the tomb of the unknown soldier. They say now they can find out who everybody is, of course, by DNA. It's just astounding. And so, I don't read in too much of this, but God being perfect in, in all things, I think he's perfect in his word. Number seven is the number of perfection. And we see that seven times John speaks about commandment. Seven times he speaks about commandments. You say, well, how many commandments are there? I'm glad you asked. So I typed it in another day in Google. How many commandments are there in the Old Testament? Do you know the number? 613. 613, very good. That's correct, 613. Now that's the mitzvah, well, the Hebrew word for law or commandments, of course. A 13-year-old boy goes through the bar mitzvah. He's the son of the commandments. The bar mitzvah, or the, the mitzvah, as it's called, there are 248 positives or the do's in the Old Testament of the Decalogue, or pardon me, of the, 
the Torah or the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy. There's 248 dues. Thou shalt keep the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There's 247 other dues in the mitzvah. There's, how many, you want to take a guess? Can you do your math quick? How many negatives? Somebody do the math. You're supposed to know this. Through. 365 number of days in a year. Isn't that convenient? I almost, now you Google that, and it'll come up. You'll get list galore. And you'll get, I hit one website, and it listed all 613 of them with explanation. I was going to print it off, but honestly, it would take 20 or 30, and a half by 11 sheets of paper on font 10 print, probably, to print it all out. And I'm wondering, I'm thinking, well, us Gentiles, all of us Gentiles in the room, we, we, we don't know, not forget one half and one tenth and one, one twentieth of these 613 commandments, the do's and the don'ts. I dare say there's probably a few Jews, some Orthodox rabbinical Jews that probably have memorized all 613, but very few people know all 13. Now, without, I didn't put it on the worksheet because it's just too much information, case overload. But really, the Jews divide their law, the Old Testament law, into three divisions. In case you'd like to write this down, they divide the 613 commandments into ceremonial, civil, and moral law. Real quickly, ceremonial, and I know I'm getting probably too detailed, but ceremonial law is divided into two portions, customary law and dietary laws. They're exclusively Jewish in nature for the Israelite. Whereas the moral laws are universal in nature. And Deuteronomy uses the phrase a number of times, for all that do so are an abomination to the Lord. So we have ceremonial, customary laws, uh, civil laws, we have moral laws, we have, uh, which are universal in nature, Jew and Gentile. But backing up to these 613 commandments, how many know all 613? That's what I thought. How can you keep that which you don't even know? I have people that tell me, and just even this week, I have to be careful here, but this week that people say, well, we need to keep the law. People that attend our, our church. How can you keep all the laws you don't even, when you don't even know them? I would think you want to take time out to memorize all 613 so you can be safe. But James 2 and verse 10 reminds us, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point. He's guilty of all. I remember there's so many laws. I mentioned about dietary laws when we were in Israel three years ago now. Uh, we went to a, we were in downtown Jerusalem, old city of Jerusalem, and we, I wanted to get an American food. We didn't have American food. It was, we had Israelite type food, you know, Jewish food. And so we went to a restaurant in downtown, and I ordered a hamburger. Not a cheeseburger, a hamburger. Why didn't I, I not order a cheeseburger? Because they don't do cheeseburgers. It's against the law. Because you can't mix dietary, rather, uh, milk products with meat products. And so we didn't know any better. Here we are, a bunch of preachers, and we're sitting down eating hamburgers at the hamburger joint. And it was an outdoor-type restaurant with just a, you know, kind of like Marzano's over here at the plaza. And we were outside and eating in the cabana area there, whatever you want to call it. And one of us got, right across the street was an ice cream store. So we decided to go over and get ice cream. 
And we did. We brought it back to our seat, and one guy got over and, and we sat down in the, the hamburger restaurant with ice cream, not knowing any better. Here we are, preachers. And the waiter came over, the 20-year-old waiter with a, with a pistol. By the way, they all have pistols. The 20-year-old, he's from New Jersey. He was a, a Jewish fella. And he very politely asked us, hey, this is uh, kosher. We're not allowed to have dairy in here. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. We had to get up and leave. We had no idea that we were violating their law. But it was their law. And uh, the many laws of the Old Testament. And uh, we lift up the... You say, well, preacher, I don't think, I think we're going to fail on those 613. Yes, I think we're going to fail. Most of our garments have wool and, in our case, nylon or different fabrics uh, against, uh, against the Old Testament mitzvah, mitzvah, rather. But you say, well, let's not do the 613. How about the 10? We're talking about the commandments. How many of them? We have four times it says commandments in our text here. But the 10 commandments or the Decalogue. It's, and it's a little sensitive, but I'm just going to say this way and uh, move on. And again, just this past week, I've been confronted with this. Why are you here on Sunday? Why, why are you here? Why are you, you're probably worshiping on the wrong day, according to Exodus 20. It's Saturday, Friday night. Maybe we should have a Friday night service on Saturday, you know, because it's the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But even those Sabbath worshipers or keepers, they don't keep the Sabbath. When you read the laws of the Sabbath, they, they don't keep them. And you smart my words. But it's called the Decalogue, the, the Ten Commandments as Moses came down from the mount with those two tablets. And, and they were already breaking them as he was coming down the hillside. You know the story, and he broke them in half. And man's been breaking God's laws ever since and even before. So God, we get to the New Testament, and God says, well, they couldn't keep the 613, they can't keep the 10, let's reduce it down to two. And the two commandments, in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, the rich man came to Jesus and asked, Master, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said, and then thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so the commandments go from 613, 248 negative, 365, or 248 positive, 365 negative. Go to 10, they go to 2, love God, love your neighbor. God says they're not even going to be able to keep that. We've got to reduce this down further. And so we get to Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 14. And the Apostle Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, was able to pen these words for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This word love, we'll look at it in our text here in just a few moments. So we see the commandments, how many of them? How many do you obey? Most of us are guilty in a large part. The Bible says, if whosoever should keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. So I want to give you tonight, I want to, or this morning rather, I want to reduce our law list down to three that are real important to receive. I know these three commandments that we should all receive. They're found in verses 23 and 24 of our text. Notice the first one in verse number 23 once again. And this is his commandment. Now it doesn't say this is the Baptist church commandment. It doesn't say this is Marty Schott's commandment. 
It doesn't say it's your commandment. This is his commandment. And his commandments are to be obeyed, to be received. And this is his commandment that we should, what? What's the next word, class? Help me out. Believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. The first commandment to receive is his commandment to believe on his name. There's power in his name. I want you to know that his name is a sovereign name. Let's dissect the verse here. Once again, verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his. Now, who's the his there? Help me out. It's God. There's one God, one Lord over all. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's his sovereign name. The sovereign name, I went home to my house on, I think it was Friday, uh, ran home to do lunch, late lunch, and, and I saw two finely dressed ladies. It was cold on Friday, as it's been cold the last few days. And I saw two finely dressed ladies going up to one of my neighbor's stores and knocking on the door. You know where they were from. I knew immediately where they were from the second I saw them. And they'd already been to my house. I got to my house, and there was a pamphlet on my door from the Watchtower Society inviting me to the March 30th celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on, at the Kingdom Hall in Torrington. And uh, they don't believe that Jesus is God the Son. They believe that he's the Son of God, but not God the Son. And by the way, they don't believe that he rose literally from the grave, but rather spiritually from the grave. But I want you to know that this name that we are to believe in, receive, that we are to trust in, that we are to put our faith in, its name is Sovereign. It's the, it's the word Lord, that we should believe on the name of His, that's the Lord, Jehovah God. That word Lord in our King James Bible in the Old Testament, you'll find it some 5,200 sometimes. It's capital O, capital R, capital L-O-R-D, all capitals. And every time you see that, it's the word Jehovah. People say, well, they should have translated it to Jehovah. Well, the Jews knew there was such a holy name that they had other names for Jehovah God. And they started off with Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, that's Elohim. Later on, Adonai. We have El Shaddai and all these names for God. And so they substituted in our King James translators, they they put that word all capitals to identify that it was Jehovah God. But this phrase, the Lord Jesus Christ, is found 106 times in our Bible. The very first time we find it, I marked it on your worksheet for you. Acts 2.36. Peter, as he preached, this is after, after Jesus Christ has gone to the cross of Calvary, after he's resurrected, three days later he rises from the grave, he walks on the earth for 40 days, and then 10 days goes by, the disciples are in the upper room, and then we have Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And Peter preaches, and I've stood in the vicinity there of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and historians believe that Peter preached with a man's voice of maybe to somewhere, some say as little as 20,000, others say upwards of 50, maybe 100,000 Jews he preached. And he said in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know surely that God hath made this same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. 
And when they said Lord, when he said that Jesus was Lord, the Bible says, and when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? You see, Jesus Christ, he's sovereign. He's the Lord. There's only one. He's God Almighty. He's Jehovah. Acts 10, 36. The second time we find this phrase, uh, all three of these names for the Lord Jesus. That is Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, The word which God hath sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, that he is Lord of all. He's Lord of the Jews. He's Lord of the Gentiles. And then in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, when the Philippine jailer asked Paul and Silas at midnight, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The answer is given, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It's his sovereign name, this name for this Lord Jesus Christ, this name he's called Lord by the way, turn maybe four pages in your Bible. I want you to see Revelation 1.8. It's not in your worksheet. I'll do this quickly. Let me slow down because it's a little deep. But the name Jehovah or Yehovah or Yeshua, however you want to say it, Yahweh, it's really three Hebrew words and three tenses, past, present, or aorist, present, and future. So when we say Jehovah, here, let me make it simpler. When Moses was at the burning bush, remember when Moses was, uh, he said God commissioned him to let the, be the deliverer for the children of Israel out of bondage? And Moses said to the Lord, he says, who, do men, who did I say send me? And the Lord said, remember, I am. I am that I am. He always has been, he always he is, and he always will be. Revelation 1.8, speaking about the Almighty. I am Alpha and Omega. That's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, in case you don't know. The beginning and the ending, the arcade, the very beginning, before time began, and the ending, everlasting. Saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. The same allusion is given towards the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the everlasting son because he has an everlasting father. And the everlasting father could never be the everlasting father if he didn't have an everlasting son. They always have been. They are. He was and is and is to come, the Almighty. And so we see this command is to believe on his name, his sovereign name, that he is Lord. We sing the song, he is Lord, he is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we go back to our text now. It says that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus. There's that saving name, the name Jesus. When the angel came to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, he gave the prophecy and the command, and thou shalt call his name, and she, that's Mary, shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. By the way, just real quickly, that Jesus there in Matthew one twenty one is all capital letters. Now, I don't want to confuse you, but when the New Testament was first written in the Greek language, it was all written in enchil, or we would say uppercase letters. There were no lowercase letters. The whole New Testament was written in uppercase letters. 
But when the King James translators came to the word Jesus, they kept it all uppercase. Why? Same reason that when they were in the Old Testament, and instead of using Jehovah and overusing that name, they changed it to Lord, and they gave it all capital letters to show the significance of it, the, the sacredness of it, the, the sovereignty of it. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, the angel said, for he shall save his people from their sins. You see, the name Jesus, or Jesus, got some Hispanic people here, or Yesu, got some French folks here, Jesus Cree, I'm, I'm terrible on my French, I'm sure. But the name Jesus in the Old Testament is Yehoshua, or we would say Joshua. Remember Joshua and Caleb? And the name is given, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You see, Peter said it this way in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other, do you know it? Name under heaven, given among men whereby we must be saved. Many times over the years I've had people come to me and say, well, maybe, maybe could people be saved that never heard the name of Jesus and maybe they, could, maybe they have a different name for him. Maybe they call him Buddha. Maybe they call him Muhammad. Maybe Allah. If they in sincerity pray to Another name, another God, won't God accept that? The Bible says there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. The most electrifying name, the most hated name, the most loved name. It's a saving name. The Bible says in Acts 15 verse 11, Paul was saying in regards to the Gentiles, he was saying to Jewish, a Jewish Crowd, But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Romans 10, 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Romans 10, 9 delineates who that Lord is. That thou shalt confess to thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The name that saves is the name Jesus. You say, I'm saved, I pray to God. The devils believe also and tremble. Salvation, people say, well, it's in God. Well, that's, that's true because Jesus is God. But salvation, the saving name is the name of Jesus. It's the name that saves. And this is his commandment, that you believe on the name of his, that's the Lord, Son, Jesus Christ. So we see his sovereign name, his saving name, but then I want you to notice his sanctifying or separating name. Let me do it quickly, but let me drive the point home, hopefully, at the same time. This is a called-out assembly. I'm not referring to the building again, although this is a considered a church building. But I'm talking to the congregation that make up this assembly. We're called out saints of God. He called us out. He sanctified us. He set us apart. This name, the Lord Jesus Christ, the word Christos or Christ is the word Messiah in the Old Testament or Mashiach as the Hebrews would say more. And it means the anointed one. When John Baptist saw Jesus coming to him in Jordan and he was baptizing in River Jordan, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which what? Taketh away the sins of the world. 
You see, he sanctifies. He sets us apart. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, Unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. And 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says this in regards to the sanctifying name of Christ. This is, and such are some of you, but ye are washed. Ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There's a sanctifying. When you come to Jesus Christ, he sanitizes, he sanctifies, he justifies, he washes our sins white as snow. And so this title, or this sanctifying title and separating title of the name Christ, it's a sacred title. I always think of the many thousands of times I've, my ears have burned and I've heard many mock the name of Jesus. And when they really want to dig it home, they, they use the full name Jesus Christ in blasphemy. It's a sacred name. The Lord will not hold him guiltless to take the name of the Lord in vain. But I'm trying to tell you this morning, the commandment is simply this. You, can't, you don't know those 613 commandments. Most of you don't know the Ten Commandments. I'm not trying to be harsh. We have a tough time with the two commandments. But here's three commandments that we can easily, readily receive. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. And you receive him by calling upon him to save you. The Bible says in Acts 2.21, Peter said, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call, yes, I emphasize that, on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10.13, I quoted it already. Can you quote it with me one more time, ready? It says this, For whosoever shall what? Call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There must be a calling. I do this very quickly. The Bible says we must call. A little bit different than accept. Follow me. I had somebody, a pastor, as a matter of fact, a preacher that, that was dealing with the very deep subject of election. The Bible teaches election. God knows everyone that's going to be saved. That's true. But I don't know everybody that's going to be saved. And this person said, well, I... This preacher said, I didn't really, I never really called upon the Lord. I accepted what he did for me. Sounds good. Sounds almost similar, same, same, but he says, I realized I was part of the elect. My Bible says we must call upon the name of the Lord. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There must be, the Greek word kaleo, there must be a calling where you call out the Lord Jesus Christ. Now maybe you did it in your heart, but no Christian that ever received Christ in their heart won't confess him with their, without, will not, not confess him with their lips. There must be a calling this, in this command to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Have you called upon Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be your one and only Savior. 
He's a prayer away, but you must call upon him and him alone to save you, and he'll save you today. That's a commandment that you can receive and you need to receive if you want to go to heaven. But then we notice the second, verse number 23, the latter part of the verse, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. But you notice, secondly, his commandment to love the brethren. Over and over again in this book, this little five-chapter book, he deals with this subject of loving the brethren. He must know that we must need to hear this. I want you to consider, first of all, just quickly, the creator of the commandment. Turn a page in your Bible probably to chapter 4, and let's look at some verses here. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Who's the creator of this commandment to love the brethren? Well, the Bible says, 1 John 4, 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Verse 16, notice it with me. The Bible says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Make no mistake about it, I've said it many times. I want you to picture a wagon wheel or a bicycle wheel, if you will. Got several components to that wheel. You got spokes, you got the actual wheel itself, but you got the hub. And uh, all the spokes are tied to the hub. And uh, it gives the, the wheel strength. It's a centrality. Without the hub, you have nothing. And that hub of the attributes of God is none other than His holiness. Holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. All things branch out from that holiness. But I do want you to know that God is not only a God of holiness, but God is a God of love. The Bible tells us over and over and over and over again. Ye that love the Lord hate the evil. God is love. He's the creator of love. Look at verse 19 of chapter 4. Why do we love him? Well, because he first loved us. It's the love of Christ, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, that constrains us. I can't get over the fact that God loves me even though he knows me. He still loves me. He loved us. We love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. I didn't say it. God did. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this, is his, this, and this commandment have we from him that he... Who loveth God is love, uh, loveth God, loveth or love his brother also. And so we see the creator of the commandment, but then I want you to consider for just a few seconds the clarity of the commandment. What part of loving the brethren don't you understand? It's non negotiable. Jesus, the last night of his, the night of his betrayal, he said to his disciples in John 15, verse number 12, This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Hey, don't lie now. If you love me this morning, say amen. amen. Oh, that was pretty. That was great. It could have been a little stronger, you know. But I love you. You're supposed to say, oh, that's that sweet. I love you. Yeah, thank you. But here's where I condemn my heart. I don't love, love you like God loves you. By the way, you don't love me like God loves me. He loves us with an unconditional love, an everlasting love. 
A love that's not conditional. Oh, so many things we could say. We preached a message a few weeks ago about that manner. Behold, what manner of love this out of this world love that God loves us. The clarity. 19 times we are commanded to love one another. Nine of those 19 times John writes in his gospel or in his books of First and Second John to love one another. He commands us to love one another. We must need to do it because he commands it over and over and over again. And they'll know, the song says, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We get to verse 24 and we probably could take a whole message right here, but we'll just take a few more moments, we'll be done. And he, he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Just quickly, third commandment that we can receive is his commandment to abide. It's the word that's found 11 times in this little book of 1 John. The word abide or abideth. To remain, to be set, to, to be unmovable in him. We abide in him. There's two parts of the verse. The first part of the verse, the Bible says, and this is his commandment. To, or, and he that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him, and he, that's God, or Christ, in him. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The first letter A on our worksheet, that's the saint abiding in the Son. That's practical. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Forsake us. He's always here. But sometimes we're the ones that take the exit. Sometimes we're the ones that say, well, you may be here, but I'm going to do my own thing. We don't abide with him. And he never leaves us. He cannot deny himself. He will always be with us. But we can grieve his spirit. We can grieve his person, Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, the latter part of the verse, you see, practically, we can, we can, we can still sin as sinners. That's what 1 John 1 is all about. But then the latter part of the verse says, And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. In the second part of this verse, of this, speaking about abiding, we see the Spirit abiding in the saint. That's positional. Jesus said in John 14, verses 15 and 16, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, I will ask the Father that he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You see, we see this liberty in Christ. We see this love for the brethren that he naturally gives to us. And he sees this life that's all in Jesus Christ exclusively. Now I want you to turn, we're almost done, but I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. I want you to see this this morning. Acts chapter 1, please. Or, excuse me, Acts chapter 17, excuse me. Acts 17. Here's what I want you to know. Nobody in this room is going to remember all 16, 613 commandments. Nor could you keep them, nor, nor would you want to keep some of them. We have a hard enough time keeping the Ten Commandments, but we even break those. We have a hard enough time loving God and loving our neighbor. But there's three commandments that we can, we are commanded to know. We're commanded to, first of all, believe on his name, to receive him as our sovereign Lord, as our saving Lord, as our sanctifying and separating Christ. And calling upon that sacred title, that sacred name, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save us. But Paul was preaching in front of a bunch of heathens in 
Athens and Mars Hill, as it's called. It's a lengthy dissertation, but we'll go all the way down to verse 29 and finish up this morning. I imagine Paul's preaching at least in front of a few thousand people. And he stood down at the bottom of the, the pit of that amphitheater. He said these words, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we are not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. By the way, there's reasons why we don't have statues or icons in our church of Christ or anybody else. Because he's not an idol. He got his spirit and they did worship him, him in spirit and in truth. But verse number 30, Paul knew who he was speaking to. He was speaking to a bunch of people that were Athenians, verse 21, that thought they were very educated, but they were ignorant about so many things. They, they even had an altar to an unknown God that they didn't know about in case they missed their, they had hundreds of gods. And he gave them a pass in one sense. He says, and at the times of this ignorance, God winked at, or God overlooked, in other words. Dumb Athenians, dumb Gentiles. My children of Israel, they don't even know all the laws. How can these Gentiles know all the laws, all my commandments? I'll look over, I'll gloss over those. But now, verse number 30 says this way. But now commandeth all men, I have circled in my Bible, all. All men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, there it is again, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Here, let me tell you what I know. I know that Jesus Christ is Lord. I know he's the Son of God. I know that he's the only Savior. I know, and the Bible tells us in the first commandment that thou shalt not worship any other gods, that you don't bow down to any other god, period. And my Bible tells me in Philippians 2 that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is commandment, this is his commandment that we believe on the name of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I know, don't be ignorant this morning. You're ignorant of many of the laws, so am I. Don't be ignorant. Obey his command to repent. Receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Believe in Christ. What does that word believe mean? It means put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Where we say, not I, but Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All my faith and trust for salvation is in Jesus Christ. And then he gives me love for the brethren because it's from God. And then he gives me liberty and for if I dwell in him and he, he's in me and I in him and the spirit abides in me forever. What a God we serve. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, I understand that salvation is all of you, all of God. Jesus Christ is the Savior. He's the only Savior. He's all the Savior we need. Lord, maybe there would be someone here this morning that needs to call upon Christ to save them. This church cannot save them. This preacher certainly cannot save anyone. 
But Lord Jesus, you can save all that come unto you by faith. Lord, we thank you for the power that's in the name of Jesus, the saving power, the healing power, the victory power. And Lord, maybe there's someone this morning that needs to call up to cry out to Jesus Christ. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Come into my heart and save me from my sins. May they forsake all this morning and trust Jesus Christ. We'll thank you for it. Lord, I pray for us Christians, Lord, that we might abide in your commandments, to walk in your, your life, to love, and Lord, to dwell and abide with that liberty that makes us free in the spirit of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you bless in our moments of invitation. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. As we stand together, it's 163 it is.